You're listening to Interviews with Adam. I am your host, Adam Miller. And as we continue our series, talking with the many voices behind the music here on our broadcast, we can't go without talking to Michael Faircloth. He's been with Songtime for many years, a good friend. He's always there at our conference, and uh, he has been uh, a huge blessing, not only to me, but John DeBrine. So, Michael, thank you so much for being a part of this uh, series as we talk about about our music and, and the Psalms. Oh, thank you, Adam. I am I'm honored to, to be included. You've you've had some uh, some people who have uh, brought their musical gifts to the body of Christ, whom I respect, and so uh, to be included among those is just a real blessing for me. Now, Michael, I have to say that you are the one person that we've had on the broadcast, uh, maybe a few others that you yourself do not actually sing. So. <laughs> I, we have tried to get you to sing for I don't know how many years here at the Songtime Conference, but uh, you're not a soloist. I am not a soloist, <laughs> and uh, that you, you, there, there is uh, no amount of persuasion that would, would, would uh, bring me to sing in public, that's for sure. But uh, um, no, I, I, you know, there were many times in my life that I kind of wished that God had given me that gift, because being a pianist, it, it just felt like that, that in my, my concerts and appearances that... Uh, it would have been nice to be able to give voice to the thoughts I was having, or, or even perhaps a, a newer song that isn't isn't all that familiar. You know, to introduce it only on the piano, it just it would would add so much to be able to sing it to people. But you know, God in His providence didn't bestow those gifts uh, uh, upon me, and uh, so I, uh, you know, I'll accept that and and fit in, uh, in with the opportunities He's provided. But I have to say that the the gifts he he withheld from singing, he definitely doubled up on your ability to play the piano. <laughs> uh, so uh, you've you have worked with a lot of different people in in accompaniment, but also uh, what I think and appreciate so much about your music is that um, when you're playing the piano, you play songs that we know. And we know the words, and sometimes we've sung the words without actually thinking about the words, but some way, in some sense, in the way that you play the songs, brings those words to the surface in a way that we wouldn't have comprehended if we were singing them. So I think that it's a pretty unique gift and a pretty unique talent. Um, what would you say is that, uh, that ability that you have to bring all of those songs to the surface in that way? Well, first of all, I'm greatly encouraged that you know that's your perception of what I do because it's it's also my intention of what I do. So I'm glad that that uh, connection's being made. Um, I I think that that you know I, I, first of all I have to say right up front that any time that ministry occurs through music, I, I believe it's a is it, it's because of the Holy Spirit um, um, that's working in our hearts. So so ultimately that's the answer. But I do think that that musically. When I look back at my training, in, in both in classical music and many, many years of experience within the church, that that shaping a musical phrase where the the melody has a a, a rise and fall, sort of a, an architecture, a topography that that sort of follows the thought that's being communicated. Um, I, I think that that's important because, as you say, it, I remember I had a teacher once that that said, you know, you need to to shape this phrase like a good singer would sing it. Um, and that took me a while because I'm not a good singer. And, and, but, but after a while, you begin to, to realize how people who communicate well in their singing um, are good at, at shaping phrase, phrases. They're good at, at um, breathing in the phrase. I'm, I've often said that sometimes um, it's very important 
to think about what to leave out in music as much as it is what to put into it. Because it's, it's like, I guess in layman's terms, terms, it's like punctuating a sentence. And a sentence that has no punctuation, no, no commas, um, no exclamation points, it, it, it's bland and it doesn't communicate particularly well. So the same thing has to occur with a musical phrase. You have to punctuate it and you have to put commas in here and there and, and expression marks that uh, help to communicate uh, the substance behind what you're trying to say. You know, what is it that goes into the, the process of, of selecting these songs? I mean, because the songs that you play are songs that are very familiar to the church, uh, mm-hmm. they're both the, the songs we sing from contemporary hymns as well as some traditional hymns. What goes into the selection of the psalms that you're choosing, the songs that you're choosing when you're writing your arrangements? Well, you, you, you touched one. Familiarity is, I think, important for me because of the fact that I'm an instrumentalist. I'm, I'm not a singer. And so it, it, it limits me to a certain degree because um, I, I do feel like it's important for, for folks to be able to, to hear the words, um, even though they're not being sung. So familiarity is important. And things that have, for pianists, things that have um, beautiful melodies and and at least by my taste, sort of lush and colorful harmonies. Those are the things that that, that attract me personally, that minister to me. Um, I I like a a melody that kind of goes places, that has a rise and fall to it, that that has interesting intervals and and. Um, I, for me, expressiveness comes from those things, and so a, a melody that's kind of bland or, or stays in the same place all the time, it, it, it's just not quite as expressive for me. And uh, so, fortunately, a lot of the older hymns do have, uh, you know, nice, t- take a melody like "Amazing Grace," for instance. Um, you know, it's it, it's just the simplest of, of songs that you know, probably no more than three chords in it, and and but. It's a melody that, that just transcends time. I mean, you, and it, every time it's sung, it seems like it's moving for people. And, and um, so I, I look for things that have good melodies, I guess. Now, we've been talking with uh, our musicians about how the Psalms have influenced them. And uh, this is interesting because your selection process is very different in, in choosing songs that people already know. We know the Psalms, but the Psalms don't have tunes, so there's not going to be a tune that we can necessarily equate to the Psalms. But uh, how have the Psalms still, as far as uh, your artistic perspective, influenced you in the songs that you choose and even the songs that you arrange? Yeah, well, I think what I noticed that I what I notice most about the Psalms is that the Psalm writers are sometimes brutally honest with God um, in ways that sometimes we we perhaps wouldn't even I don't know sometimes we might even consider it a little bit disrespectful if we, if we were to, to to take it out of the context of of inspired scripture I mean you think about in 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 Psalm seventy three where the psalmist is, is contemplating the prosperity of the wicked and and he, he flat out says he complains that in vain he has kept his heart clean i mean that's that's pretty straightforward and um and yet then when you go further down into the psalm he, he talks about how he comes to his senses and when he entered into the sanctuary of the lord then, then he then you know he was reminded of the truth but the, i when there when there is um when the psalmists are overcome with guilt and and uh, despair. They, they they sing about that. Um, when they're 
when they're filled with joy and, and, and rejoicing in the goodness of God or deliverance from evil, they, they, they sing about that. So the, the Psalms in their worship kind of cover, you know, a broad spectrum of human emotion and experience. And um, that's always revealing to me and, and, and kind of inspirational that, uh, you know, we need, we need songs that are, that are happy and, and joyful, but we also need songs that are, are reflective if, if, and even express remorse. And, and so that's why we need a, a great variety in, um, in, in the types of expression that we, that we use when we, when we worship. You know, I think it's interesting, you know, we have to have that range in music. And before we started the interview, we were talking about range. And it's something that's not very common to our, our music these days, which all seem to be very happy and upbeat and, and very lively. Uh, but the Psalms don't really have that reflection where they're all one one style or one uh, one kind of tempo, so to speak. There, there seems to be that range. And there's even some range within those songs where it starts off very downcast but ends with a great resolve of worship. And I, I know some of your music does that as well. Um, has that helped you in capturing how you're trying to convey a, a song in, in, in a very stylistic way? Oh, I, absolutely. And, and, you know, and I do think that you have diagnosed problem that, that, that we face within the evangelical church with, with regard to our music, because um, we, we repeat ourselves an awful lot. <laughs> and I'm not even talking about, you know, people, people love to criticize contemporary worship courses, you know, for, for the repetition of the same phrase over and over again. That, that's, that's not necessarily what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about in the, in the style and the sound of what we, what we embrace. There's, there's not a significant amount of diversity, and I'm not sure that that, as you say, really reflects, re- reflects um, the broad range of emotion that's displayed in the Psalms. And even that one I just referenced, Psalm 73, it's precisely what you said. I mean, it, it starts out almost with anger on the part of the psalmist and, 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 and sort of, you know, that he feels forsaken by God because uh, the wicked prosper and, you know, he's kept himself pure for nothing. And then, and then uh, as, as, as the truth is, is revealed later on, there's a, there's a sense of joy and, and thankfulness that, that evolves. So um, I think this is an area where the church, we need to do better. I mean, and there are people who are doing better. I mean, and, and I think that they're, um, you know, I hesitate to get into names. I have great respect for the music of, of Keith and Kristen Getty, and, and I feel like they have been, um, been very diligent in, in seeking to, to express the, the broad range of, of uh, the truth that is found in the Psalms and, and elsewhere in Scripture. So there are people that are doing it, but I just think... Um, and, and part of it is, it, it's not anybody's fault in particular, but, but I, I was mentioning to you uh, before we went on the air that uh, there's a... I believe it's Stephen Sondheim, the Broadway composer, but there's a song for one of his shows that he wrote called Putting It Together, and, and I think it contains the phrase that goes something like, all they ever want is what they know. And I think the church is a little bit like that. We're not quite open to to um, exploring the things that perhaps are not immediately accessible to us. Um, it, it, it's very easy to only want to hear what we can grasp quickly. Um, but scripture itself is full of things that sometimes we have to, to struggle with. And so I think that our music should reflect that as well. 
it is interesting when, when our music is is solely praise music, which is which is often the case. It's very uplifting praise music, worshipful music to God. It doesn't reflect the full range that we see in the Psalms. What it does in that regard is it doesn't reflect well the gospel because we come together to worship and it seems like everyone's perfectly sanctified uh, when we're worshiping and we don't have that brokenness and the reminder of the grace that we need from God and the uh, response that we have to have in, in gratefulness to his mercy. So I think that there's a, there's a lot of hurt and broken people out there who are faking it when they come to worship. I, well, you're absolutely right. I mean, I, I couldn't say that any better. You, you, uh, that, that certainly reflects um, my feelings about where we are right now in 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 our church music. So yeah, yeah. All, all I can say is amen. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to ask you, where do you go to um, fill your own cup in the process of? of coming to write these uh, great scores of, of the music that is, has been sung in the church, um, where do you get those selection process? What, what is your process to choosing those songs, uh, choosing those songs and, and meditating on them, processing through them, and then putting them into these beautiful arrangements? Um, what's the process? I'm not sure it's the same every time. Um, most of the time, it's, it's just because I have had a, a personal encounter with a, you know, a specific song that I've heard that has got my attention either because I have found the lyrics to be profound for whatever my circumstances happen to be in my life at any given time. And, or I've, I've heard a melody that, that I just think is really beautiful. And, and in those cases where it starts with the melody or the, or the harmonies, then hopefully what I find is something that, that speaks biblical truth, because no matter how beautiful a song is, if it doesn't speak biblical truth, I, I probably need to steer clear of it. So, um, but, but it, but sometimes it's the music that gets me first and sometimes it's, it's, it's the words, but it, uh, uh, in most cases, and I, I, I would say in most cases, it has had to have been relevant to me in my life at some point in time. There might be a few instances where I've played things that I know have that sort of connection with my listeners, and so I might, you know, I might choose something that's not necessarily uh, in my top ten list, but, but because uh, I try to be sensitive in that regard. But in most cases, uh, a song has ministered to me at some point before I start to do something with it. Well, we're certainly looking forward to having you up here at our conference on Cape Cod, uh, September 9th through the 11th, and uh, and hearing your music that you've put your heart and and your energy into to telling the story of the gospel in that full range. I certainly have appreciated you throughout the years of our time at the conferences, and I look forward to to being with you again here on Cape Cod this September. Oh, thank you, Adam. I, I always look forward to that weekend. And, you know, I have... I have done solo concerts my whole life, but it seems like the, the the older I get, the more I am enjoying the experience of participating in corporate worship, simply as a, as an accompanist with a, with a congregation who is you know singing their hearts out in praise to the Lord. Because uh, it just it's a beautiful picture of the body of Christ. You're taking all of these diverse gifts and 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 putting them all together, and somehow it, it creates something that I think is kind of bigger than the parts and and it's it's always inspiring for me so i, I always experiencing experience that when i'm when i'm with you at that weekend up at, up at the songtime conference so i look forward to to uh, having that rich experience of worship once again this year 
And and what I appreciate so much is is just what you mentioned. It's that corporate singing. The worship at our conference is so rich, and uh, it's so deep, and it has that full range. It's just great to be together. You know, as a song time radio program, we very rarely get to gather together as those many voices. But when they are together singing, it certainly does resonate in my heart that we are worshiping a great God, uh, a God who loves us. Absolutely. Well, again, Michael, thank you so much for being a part of this program, this series, as we talk about how the Psalms have influenced our worship and how your music has made an impact in, in our listeners as well. Thank you, Adam. We hope you enjoyed this interview made possible by our ministry at Songtime Radio. You can find out more information about our ministry by visiting our website at songtime.com, where you can find this and other interviews on our podcast series, as well as our weekday broadcast, which includes teaching, interviews, and music. We also want to encourage you to sign up for our free monthly newsletter. It's got encouraging articles, and there is no obligation to find out more information about our ministry. Again, visit our website at songtime.com. This ministry is made possible by people just like yourself. We are 100% supported by our listeners. So if you have been blessed today, why not join with the many voices together for that one message, the gospel of Jesus Christ, with your donation to the Songtime ministry. To make a donation, you can do so online at our website at songtime.com, as well as by mail. Write to us at Songtime Radio, P.O. Box 100, Barnstable, Massachusetts, 02630, or give us a call. Make a donation over the phone. It's 508-362-7070. On behalf of our entire Songtime staff and our own Dr. John DeBrine, the founder here at Songtime, who encourages you to grow in grace and not groan in disgrace. From Cape Cod, I'm Adam Miller. God bless. God bless.